Welcome to Behind the Goggles podcast. I'm Jane Mills. Today I chat with Grant Seidel about his coaching career for young students and open water swimming events. Grant set up a solstice swim where he asked people, who wants to swim in the bay, in the dark, in winter? Apparently 70 people did. Who knew? Then Grant went on to attempt the English Channel and then subsequently was successful in coaching the oldest Australian swimmer across the channel. So listen in for details on this. Enjoy. Hi, uh, welcome to the Deep End podcast, or as it's also known, Behind the Goggles. I'm here today at Harold Holt Pool with Grant Seidel. Welcome, Grant. Thank you very much, Jane. Thanks for having me. Nice of you to come along. All right, Harold Holt, do you often swim here? Yeah, I've started coming back here, actually. Uh, I used to coach here many years ago, so it brings back fond memories of coaching kids and adults back in the early 90s, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when did you actually start swimming, do you think? Well, in a sort of professional capacity, I suppose. Yeah, well, I've I've never really been professional, and I'm still (laughs) not professional, um, apart from teaching and coaching, but... um, but actually, when I when I was doing my final year at school, I had a bit more time on my hands due to one less subject than some of my friends, mm. and so basically I started swimming laps just to relax and and, um, and enjoy it. So, okay. so at eighteen, I started getting into. I learned as a kid. Yep. But at eighteen, I started just enjoying the idea of being fit from swimming. So it's recreation, but yeah, exercise, very much yeah. recreational. And and then I where went, was that? That was at Scotch College. I went to school oh, okay. at Scotch. Yep. And then after that, I, I did an Oswim course. And while I was doing that, I, um, I started training here at the Harold Holt mm-hmm. and just enjoyed the laps. And eventually then did one year of pretty hard training at the old Batman Avenue pool. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was under Gene Jackson. Okay. Who was coaching Michael Klim, that Nicole Stevenson. That was such Stevenson. a chlorine saturated environment. It was pretty, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty full on, particularly going to competitions there as a yeah. coach. It was, it was a bit of a hot. But it was, a, it was a pretty famous pool and a nice pool. Mm. And it had those viewing yes, little underneath. windows down yeah, the bottom, that's which right. nice for coaching. Yeah. yeah. So you went from the coaching and what did you do as well, well, alongside I was at, that? Yeah, well, I was at Melbourne University. I was doing an arts degree. Yeah. And um, I, I, look, I was looking for part-time work. I was working as a musician because that's, that's been my other life and still is. And so the combination of... Being, doing an arts degree at Melbourne Uni um, and then I got an Oz swim so I could teach yep. and I started teaching actually at the old, um, it was called Rose Street and then it was Simpsons and now it might just be the Armadale yeah, swimming Yeah, Armadale swimming, yeah. yeah. I was there and then I moved across to Harold Holt and I was actually swimming in a squad here and the squad basically stopped because the coach left Oh. And, and I was swimming in it. Oh, you so were in the squad? I was in the squad, yeah <laughs> and, that, and so it was going to basically stop and I thought well I might I'll put my hand up to coach it. Yeah. Because I, I hadn't got a formal qualification for coaching, but I was doing the Oz swim. Hmm. And so they said, look, there's no one else, so why not? It was in my early 20s. And so I ended up being... No one's a, drowned yet. No, so. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll give you a go. Yeah, I ended up being sort of the head coach for one of the better team down here for, for three or four years. Oh, okay. Ended up coaching De La Salle, the school. Oh, yes. Um, so that's kind of where all the coaching started. And at the same time, I was doing quite a bit of swimming. 
Yeah. Is there a lot of um, like <clears throat> psychology involved in coaching as well as a physical aspect? Yeah, I think there is, particularly with, um, I mean, I'm coaching teenagers again now, mm. and I mean, and younger kids at St. Michael's. So I, I yeah, think that's the what thing I'm is, from school, yeah, yeah, a lot of it's a lot of it's about finding, I think, their sort of internal drivers, if you like, you know, and yeah. everyone's at a different level, and I think it's very very important to understand whether it's adult kids or, or kids what what they want. Mm. Or know, is it why their parents? They're exactly. <laughs> is it the parents? Is it them? Are they there for fitness? Is it speed? Are they competitive? Yeah, so I think it's very important to understand that. Otherwise, it just becomes endless laps. Yeah, that's right. For all of us, you know. It's yeah, to find the motivation and for each person sort of tap into that. Yeah, yeah. to individualize it, I think. Yeah. Because it is a bit of a. As much as I love it, let's face it, it's up and down, up and down in a little bucket of water, so it can be a bit repetitive. You've got to make it interesting. You've got to make Especially it Especially if you're doing distances or any of any kind. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know. So it must be um, quite a challenge to really sort of be up and motivating for kids especially it is actually and it's funny going back now because i was at grimwade for five years okay and i was coaching the juniors there the, so the grade one to grade six do they have a pool on campus yeah they've got a pool so yep. that was good um but yeah coming back to working with teenagers is is really different yeah because obviously they're sort of young adults and and um they have different they have different ideas of you know who's in charge and and what they want to do and drop in and drop out and mm. i think it's really important to um yeah just to keep it to keep it fun but to keep a structure um, and to set I'm trying to we're developing a whole new club there so I'm trying to set a level of excellence but without being too serious you know because that's often what happens I think with coaches they get my way or the highway kind of thing unless you do it this way you're out I don't think you can really do that with with teenagers they want a bit of a say Hmm. so yeah, not too oh, that's much. Good. <laughs> yeah, let them think that they're running the show. Well, that's it. There's a bit, I think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, you know showbiz involved. You know, hmm, which one do you think we should do, guys? Yeah. This is a good idea, don't you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. And getting them getting them to feel part of a gang. Yeah, it's a big thing. You know, when I first started this new job, and you're right, it, it's an effort because you've got to give out the energy. Mm. Um, and and just getting them to know each other and feeling a sense of belonging to a group because even if they're training well and they're improving if they don't feel that connection with the others in the group they can Mm. you know they can just kind of drift away yeah and i mean the benefit of being in a team as opposed to even though they're solo um swimming support (coughs) network of the team then you're probably going to get better results absolutely Yeah. yeah that feeling of something more than just yourself and yeah so I mean, we do a relay almost at the end of every session oh right okay yeah. and yeah, it's good because i mean yeah. i've got from year four up to like year 11 okay so when you think about it i've got you know a few 10 year olds and some eight 17 18 year olds so that's a not big, a lot of big sports difference. Yeah, yeah well there's not a lot of sports where you'll have that sort of range in the mm. same group so it's it's good to get them you know some of the older kids are good they're good leaders and yeah. they help the younger kids and I mix them up and it's, oh, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic it's funny and it's, it's a really interesting one because you get kids who are you know in year sort of eight nine ten who are getting beaten by year four five and six kids it's, it's it's interesting to watch you know some some find that a little bit intimidating the older kids yeah um to set the tone of the squad for everyone to understand that everyone's working at their own level yeah not to shy away from competition no i still have winners and losers basically everyone's got to win how to learn, learn how to win that's right learn how to lose gracefully but not get too hung up on the result yeah oh that's so, really good yeah. and so out of the pool 
Do you drag any of these young people into your open water swims? Yeah, hopefully I don't drag them, but I do <laughs> gently encourage them. And that's, yeah, that's probably my biggest passion, to be honest, is, is, is the journey from the pool yep. to the open water. And I love the pool because you need that technical foundation. Mm. But over the years, yeah, I think taking, and initially probably mainly taking, well, actually from Harold Holt, we took everyone, when I say we, I mean I encouraged everyone to do a bronze at Portsea. Oh, okay. And so they all did the bronze camp. But yeah, I love the journey. And f- obviously for a lot, of, a lot of people, adults or children, they're not going to be um, that excited about the pool or they're not as good technically and they don't, they don't do as well in the pool. Yeah. And so they like the open water excitement, the journey, you know, the, the elements. Um, it's interesting seeing the personalities who like mm. open water versus the pool. Yeah, yeah. And I love to see some kids who are probably not going to excel in, in, in the pool for one reason or another, and then, then they just blossom in the open water, and, and, and they like the unpredictable nature of, the, um, of that environment. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. And I take them down to, you know, whether it's Brighton at the Bards or St Kilda or wherever, I've got some kayaks and get them out there and it's it's very different leave them in the middle of Port yeah. Bay. <laughs> every now and then we leave them yeah we generally 90 percent return we work oh. on a 90 percent return ratio that's reasonable yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's written into the risk plan yeah <laughs> i didn't Sorry. i didn't say that <laughs> so what started your passion with open water swimming mm. then grant well i think i think it was Probably, um, even in my late teenage years or early 20s, I used to go down to the Brighton Baths with my dad. Right. Yeah, and we did a few of the swims there at Brighton. Yeah. did a few one and did a half. Did you grow up around that area? No, well, I actually grew up in South Africa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So come to think of it, now that I think back, I mean, mm. we used to swim at Durban, at Durban Beach. With the sharks. With the sharks, yep. <laughs> Not, I didn't know about them then, but yeah, there probably were a few around. But And then... So I guess way back, I must have had an affinity with the beach yeah. and with the open water. Yeah. And then, yeah, some open water swims at Brighton. And then, um, yeah, I think when I joined Portsea as a, as a volunteer life, lifeguard mm-hmm. in the sort of early or, yeah, 92, 93, 94, I think that really started my journey of enjoying the surf and the big surf down yeah. at Portsea and getting yeah. fit enough to take that on and having the confidence. And then I did a whole series of bay swims um, and... Triathlon was quite a big thing for okay. me for a while. Yeah. And then I actually moved into surf lifesaving. It's all a bit of a blend because yeah. I enjoyed taking people from the pool there. And then because I was taking them and I was doing it myself, we actually yeah. became friends and we used to go and swim a lot together and you have your yeah. breakfast and your coffee afterwards. and Ocean swims. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a bit of a calling, but I think it's nice that everyone gets an opportunity to at least do some open water, whether it's part of the... Um, you know, whether it's part of an official life-saving club or whatever. Yeah. We're gonna, well, I'm going to start taking the St. Michael's kids down for a couple of bay swims in December. Oh, okay. Yeah, and hopefully a couple of them might do um, a competition or two. There's already a few that do. Yeah. Um, but I guess just, you know, from a safety perspective, but also just to show them there's another whole environment. It's not mm. just the pool. Yeah. Because you lose, lose a lot of kids in their teenage years from swimming. They get bored or they get pushed too hard. Yeah, I think and sport they just, in they general, there's a, sport in general, there's a great drop-off because it's not that fun really <laughs> no that's right you've got to if you have it like we said before if you have it fun and they feel part of the group i think yeah. they, they'll hopefully keep the habit going and also like maybe that that friendship group at a surf lifesaving club is a bit more got a party kind of atmosphere afterwards as well so that can keep hook them in it's like they're part of a bigger group oh exactly so, yeah the, that's pretty the social good. aspects are yeah. important yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The main swims that you're... Well, you then went into organising your own events with 
yeah, open water. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's I that's a challenge. Yeah, oh, it's been a big, it's been a big learning curve. Yeah, because mm. when I I had a squad at Paran for a while, and that that was probably the first group of adults that I took from the pool to the open water. So that that group at Paran um, went down to Brighton Baths, and I took them through a through an open water regime okay. and one of uh, one of the members there was Donald Riddington who became a great friend and still is a great friend and he and I actually set up a kayaking company okay yeah back in it was almost 10 years ago I suppose 10 mm. 12 years ago called Spirited Away and and we ran I ran some kayaking stuff at Elwood and ran a few tours at Brighton and then after a couple of years it it, it morphed into some well into a night swim actually Night yeah. swim. Oh wow! Yeah. In, in the bay. In the bay. So Ooh. I set up. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. <laughs> That's terrifying. Well, it's kind of crazy because the first event I ever ran as an event organizer was was the winter solstice swim. Okay. Which started at Brighton. In the nude. Well, well, we did think about that, but I figured we were selling out because they, you know, everyone else like down at Tasmania and up yeah. in Sydney, they they copied us basically. Right. We had the original one, I believe. Good. But um, no, look, we, we basically took the swim around the marine at Brighton and it was in the dark and it was in the oh, middle of winter. Oh. So it was a bit... Well, How did look, you get anybody to sign well, up for this, Grant? Well, because I was swimming with the Brighton Icebergs. You were paying them. Who, who were nuts. No, well, they were they actually are. paying, they were paying me, strangely <laughs> enough. So thanks, Brighton Icebergs. But um, I guess I had a pretty hardy group. Yeah. And so that was the first event, which was, yeah, the winter solstice. Which they loved we the didn't, challenge. They loved it. And I eventually moved that to St Kilda because it was a bit safe and not going around the back of the marina. Yes. Um, but we had about 70 wow. in that, and it was in the, in the dark, in the cold, like 10 degrees in the water. So that, that ran for eight years. We, I might bring it back again next year, but we didn't run it this year for the first time mm. in eight years. Because the, they do the still the <clears throat> solstice swim at Brighton, but it's just a... A daytime event. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, the Brighton Baths one, the the, yeah. the Harry Raisbeck, um, the tribute to, to Harry and, and John Deneen, who were who were both icebergers right. down there, still runs at the Baths, and that's mm. been going for a long time too. Another another great event. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, from there we we ran an event called the Giants of the Bay. Right. Which um, which only ran for two years. It was actually a forty-two kilometre swim in the first year. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Over it was over a weekend. And we raised money for Is it autism. in stages? or? Well, it was in two stages. So we, we, the idea was to have a marathon swim and hence yeah, the 42, 42 kilometres. Yeah. And so in the first day, and it was done in teams as a relay. Right. So in the first day, all the teams started off down at, um, at Point Lonsdale. That, so they were going with the tide and it was down to Port Arlington. So mm-hmm. the first day was 26 kilometres. Wow. In, in teams. So people decided oh, okay. whether they wanted to do the 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And they, were on, they all had a boat oh, okay. and a kayaker. Yep. And so the first day was 26 kilometres. And then we stayed overnight at Port Arlington and had a, had a couple of drinks and a good party. Can you have 26 people in a team? No, six. I think, six, I, think okay. I think six or eight was okay. the max yep. we had. Gotcha. And we were raising money for autism. Right, Autism okay. Victoria, which is now called a maze. Right. And so that was the first day. And the second day, we then drove across from Port Arlington to Port Melbourne. Right. And we started them at Port Melbourne and came into Brighton. So it was 14 oh. kilometres. Oh, wow. And we finished. So it was a 26 and a 14. Yep. And there were six teams, and it was an exciting finish. And, and um yeah, I remember Ted Bailey kindly came down and presented yeah. our trophy, and it was a really exciting event. Oh, that's um, good. It was a lot of fun, and, and um, it, we decided in the second year, because it was such a big weekend and a lot to give up, mm. we decided to run a just a single day 
25 yeah. kilometers. Right. So still the longest swim in, in Victoria at the time. Wow. And that this time we went the other way. We started at Port Arlington. Yeah. And this time we did go with the outgoing tide <laughs> back to Point Lonsdale. Right. And so when oh. they came around, it was quite funny actually, when they came around Shortland Bluff, which is at Queenscliff where right. the lighthouse is, Yes. I, I said to everyone, you've got to turn a fairly sharp right. Otherwise, you will keep going out the heads. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a few teams and we had a few solos that's, that time. That's sighting. It comes in handy. You do need to look up and see see where you're going. See if, see if you're going to Tasmania that's or right. Port Lonsdale. Yeah. But we had, a, we had a Dutch guy, actually, who won that race. Oh, really? And he was amazing. So he swam 25 kilometres in under five hours. By himself? Yeah. So he swam 5Ks an hour for five hours I mean he had some tidal assistance wow. but oh, I remember right. okay, he came yeah. in across the line I think it was 4.59.59 that's a pace yeah wow so that was really exciting so 25 k's got to whip the tide and that was yeah. so that was the giants of the bay wow that's good so this this Dutch guy had he done mm. things like the channel swim or any other no, he sort of marathon style swimming oh, he hadn't done the channel at that stage I think he then lined up for some other swims in the Netherlands and he thought oh and, I'm good at this yeah, he thought, yeah he's actually done a few massive swims since then yeah yeah I suppose the bay even though like it's a big bay it has less of a danger element than something like the channel or I don't know Manhattan Island yeah look it, it does but I guess it depends it depends a bit where you are yeah um so I mean, obviously the next the next event I went on to set up with with Don, my great friend Don Rinton, was the rip swim. Oh yes, now that's not safe. Yeah, oh it is. It's very safe, everyone. <laughs> it's very safe. We haven't lost anyone yet. That's your straight jacket, Grant. <laughs> oh well, you got to keep life interesting. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're right. The bay overall is it, it is pretty safe. I mean, obviously mm. it's cold, and so that can be an issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the heads is a bit of a different deal, obviously, mm. when the tides are in full flight and. Yeah. Um, and the I mean, you've got your support sort of crew with you, so it's not just you out bobbing around <clears throat> in the in the no, bay. No. So that's that's good, but still, like there's the rips. I mean, the rips. That's it needs to be managed carefully. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful. It's such a such a just a magnificent stretch. Of... Well, you don't want to look up and see a shipping container heading no. towards you, do you? No. It's, you know, <laughs> they move pretty quickly. We've they we've do. we've learned all about them. They move pretty quickly, and you have to um, have to give them right of way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're I've, not Greenpeace then trying no, to stop them? <laughs> no, I've tried to I've tried to get a bit more control over shipping, but I finally realised that uh, yes, no, with millions of dollars of goods coming in, we need to give way. <laughs> My gosh, yeah, it's well, spectacular that must be... to see them. You know, yeah, it's a great. It's probably one of the biggest elements of that swim, seeing the ship come in. Mm. But yeah, look, that's been a great event, and for mm. me, that's that still continues to be a big passion. And having swum it myself, it's it's just never boring. Wow. <laughs> That's one thing I can say to people. <laughs> so the long distance swimming, now I've done those 1.2K swims, 1.5, and that's really just training, you know, that's just a, a small distance. But to do anything like longer than 5K, what kind of training do you do? To the, do you just keep doing the distance? Do you just keep swimming that distance over and over and extending and extending it? To yeah, sort of... it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think for me, like... Um, you know, when I when I booked in, so so my journey as a, as a long distance swimmer was actually when I started coaching Don Riddington, who I set the company mm-hmm. up with, 
and he wanted to do a 10k swim right and so as a coach i'd only done three or four or five k swims so i had yeah. to think how do we do this yeah and at the end of the day yes there is a certain amount of repetition mm. but i think one of the once you get into if we if we want to call it marathon swimming which i think technically is a 10k plus swim yeah i think that's how they define it um mm. uh, but I think a lot of it actually comes down, unless you're really racing, comes down to the concept of starting to swim a bit more for time. So obviously you need to do your pool work and keep your speed up. Yeah. But I think that becomes a bit of a psychological, it's almost like a shift in gear to say, right, I'm going to do a three-hour swim today. Okay. So that, And that, that's probably not a pool swim, but in the open water. So it's obviously you want to keep your speed going, but sometimes it is just that concept of I've got to put in the time. And I think particularly when you start to train for things like... Um, yeah, the channel or rot nest, you know, any sort of 20K, 10, 15, 20K swims, yeah. you've got to think a bit like that. And it's almost like you hit a different zone psychologically. Mm, you know, yeah, it, just, that's... it becomes meditational. Yep. Um, but obviously if you're working at speed, you've still got to do your pool sessions and people will do, you know, 100 100s or they'll do 10 1K repeats or 15 1K repeats where they're yeah. keeping a bit of a time schedule as well. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, yeah, it's that interval versus then going, okay, if I need to shift into marathon gear, I've got to get into this zone where it's not boring anymore. I'm, I'm meditating on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I started doing those sort of five, six, seven, eight K sessions, sometimes I'd rock up to the pool and I did most of my training by myself and you'd rock up and you'd be exhausted in the first one or two Ks. Mm. Yeah, and that's think, what I think. How yeah. do you push through that? Well, you just kind yeah. of realise that, I mean, often the warm-up was one or two Ks. Yeah. You know, whereas... I'd just be like, thank you. Well, yeah, and now that's what I'm... Now, I'm <laughs> doing 500 metres now. I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> really motivated. Yeah, done. <laughs> All quality, of course. But you rock up and then, and then it's like once you've done the warm-up, somehow your body sometimes then just goes, okay, I'm good and I'm into it. Yeah. And you get to three or four Ks and you, the next four's okay. Yeah. And it's interesting how you add it up. Because, you know, when mm. you suddenly think I've got, you know, 300 laps to go, that's a bit of an effort. Whereas, if, right. whereas if you work it on another way, you start okay. counting Let's do down the rather than Yes, up. I do that in my head too. Yeah, you yeah. count down, not up. There's yeah. just so many tricks you it can is. use as a, clever, as a coach or a swimmer. Yeah. yeah, like you go, okay, well, I've got 10 laps. And then you think, oh, well, 10 sounds fast. So you go, oh, well, I've done one. I'm doing two rather exactly. than I've got eight. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it reminds me of when, when, when Don, and I talk a lot about Don because he then booked in for the channel, mm. and he asked me after his 10K swim, he said, Coach, you know, that's 10Ks. The channel's only three times as far. How about it? That's what he said this to is me. This only. Yeah. And Don was 65 at that time. Right. And I said to him, look, actually, well, I kind of said, I thought he was nuts because I was coaching him. He'd done a 10K. I thought, yeah, that's great. But he was a, he was a leisurely swimmer. Incredibly efficient, but not fast. No pace. And I just had to go back and think, what are you talking about? This is crazy doing the channel. And anyway, after about a month, I went back and I said, look, Don, we'll do it. But I'm not coaching you across unless I try and swim it myself. And it wasn't to one-up him. It was just that I felt unless I had tried it myself, I wouldn't really know what I was talking about. Yeah, the experience. So that began a three- and a four-year journey for Don and for myself. And um, I won't go into all of that now, but basically I remember... In terms of talking about distance training, Don's longest swim was was 20 kilometres at GSAC. Right. In the pool. Yeah. So... Um, They're like, we're closing. Well, basically, it was eight hours. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I did eight hours in the pool. And in terms of psychologically how to break that up, I actually broke it up into sections of an imaginary channel swim. 
Okay. So at that stage, I'd, I'd been to England and I'd tried and I'd, oh, I hadn't made it. Oh, you had? Yeah. Okay. So right. I, I didn't make it. I right. got pulled out about yeah. five or six kilometres short of hypothermia. So the good thing was I, I understood the journey well. Yeah, and so when yeah. I came back and we continued, I continued to work with Don, I kind of understood the, the, um, the headspace. Yeah, the so mindset that you yeah. needed to get on. So, so for that swim at the pool, which was eight hours, we broke it up into a, you know, like for example, the first five, five kilometres was just settling in in the dark in the channel. So the visual imagery was right. You've, you've yeah. hopped in at, at um, Folkestone or wherever it is. Yeah, and like 4 a.m. You're in the dark, yeah. yep, and um, and that's your warm-up, 5Ks. And then the next 5Ks is, you know, maybe instead of... Probably did 5Ks There's a jellyfish in your face. Well, yes. <laughs> you I mean, throw things at him. Things and... like that. Thinking of the feeds. They always talk feed yes, to feed. Yes. We had a stick. Stick, yeah. stick was like a lacrosse stick because Don played lacrosse for Australia. Right. And so we had a stick and I, I threatened to hit him a few times when he, when he wasn't behaving. <laughs> Go faster. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the visual thing. And then at the end, the last 5Ks was the imaginary concept of swimming into France. Right. And, and imagining how bad the tide was. And mm. you know, in the end, that turned to be true because Don doing, took... Doing three hours in the one kilometre. Yep. <laughs> That's what he took. And so so really? breaking it up, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, he took probably... He took almost, you know, I forget the exact amount, but it was probably two or three hours to cover three Ks. Wow. Three or four oh, Ks. Oh, my goodness. Because it was just... He was he was exhausted and it was yeah. nine, a 19 hour, 19 hours and 45 and if you, minutes. if the tide's not in your favour... He was just trying to get across it and... Oof. So um, I know you weren't involved with the coaching or any of the, the actual swim, but Susan Berg I interviewed earlier and her channel swim, which was kind of combines a bit of two of your events, the relay and the long distance. So I, that's, you know, I figure if you're going to do the channel, that's a pretty oh, it's a, good, good way to do it. It's a great effort. And, and you know, yeah. it's interesting. I think I've heard that the statistics are that more or at least the same amount of relays fail than solos. So there's mm. more moving parts. You've got more people. Yeah. Um, you're only as strong as your weakest link, if you like. Yeah. Um, and sitting around on the boat's a whole other challenge. Ooh. Yeah. And, you know, I think for Susan, and I know Susan pretty well, it's a remarkable journey because oh. she's had to overcome so much in terms of the psychological trauma. And let's, let's not shy away from it. It is oh. trauma what happened to exactly. her. And the idea of then being on a boat um, and... and, and and you know the memories of what happened to her family. Yeah. Um, so to overcome the swimming, I mean, she swam in the dark with me in the solstice too, which I thought was amazing. Yes, I, I would talk you to know? her when she was going to do that, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's confronting. How can you even confronting a lot think of things? About it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and I think the relay is great, and people I know a few people are going for relays in the next couple of years, and I guess you know once again that element of not letting the team down. Yes. Um, and I mean, it's cruel the channel because some people, a lot of, they fail in that last hour sometimes. It's so close. Well, a bit like yourself. Yeah, it well, I was, I, I, was, I was a reasonable way off. I think it's better to, it's better to have five k's to go than five hundred meters. Oh no, five hundred meters people get pulled out. Yeah, well, a lady this year apparently was twenty meters away. Now, whether that was 20 metres of shallow water or whether it was kind of 20 metres from being able to stand up, I don't know. But she had asthma and obviously someone's got to make make a call. And that's that's a tough thing, whether you pull someone out or not. Yeah. Um, I remember when Don was swimming towards the end, you know, you never hear these words very often. I I was, you're always going into the unknown unless Mm. you've taken someone across before. So Mm. it was my first channel swim and then it was my first time as a coach with Mm. Don. Mm. And basically, we're at about 17 hours, and he's pretty exhausted. And, and he's 65, did you 68 say? 68 at that time. 68, wow. He was the oldest Australian at that time. Wow. 
And his son was on the boat with me. Yeah. And he was pretty stressed, his son. And I'm thinking, you know, and Don at that stage w was struggling. Mm. He wasn't hypothermic, but he was going slowly. And yeah. I remember saying to the boat captain, who'd done two or 300 swims as the driver, I said, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Spelling, I said, what do we do? And I'll never forget his words. He just said to me, don't pull him out. He ain't going to die. Okay. Now, you don't hear that very often. <laughs> so then he said to me, give him a feed yeah. and get in the water with him. Oh, right. And at that point, I got in because you're allowed to do one hour. Oh, are you? So I got in. And, and you went, Jesus, it's cold in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting out. See you, Don, you're on your own. Oh, no, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> no, it was remarkable, actually, because he, he and I'm, I'm not taking credit for him lifting, but, but no. the spirit of, even though the boat's so close, sometimes when you get in, um, well, I got in and he, you, I could just feel him lift a bit. Yes. And when I got back on the boat, even though there was still a couple of hours to go, yeah. I had this feeling of, yep, he's going to make it. Oh, yeah. And so it's really interesting, you know, psychologically what, mm. what can happen. Um, but yeah, it's a cruel, it's a cruel beast to channel. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's why um, you take music as a little bit of relaxation and yeah. a bit, bit less stressful activity. Absolutely, yeah. I like, I like a bit of, I like a bit of variety. Yeah. It's <laughs> from, a nice, it's a nice another hat to put yeah. on. Yeah. And so, what do you do with music now, or are you still I'm, doing it? I'm trying to get back into it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, music and music and sport, swimming in particular. They've always been my two things. Yeah. Um, so I've written a couple of albums and produced a couple of albums, and at the moment I'm just working on a few new songs. Okay. And trying to trying to get it going. I've got a jazz trio, and we do a bit of corporate work. Okay. So jazz is your main thing. Yeah, I do a bit of everything, really. A bit of yep. nothing too heavy, but it's a blend of rock, pop, jazz, and blues, probably. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so trying to roll back into a bit more live music. Yeah. Because I really I really do miss that, and I enjoy that. Oh, good. Um, well, you're in the right city anyway, Melbourne. Incredible. Music. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible city and there's so yeah. much talent and so many festivals now with yeah. up-and-coming artists. That's right, um, yeah. It's good to nurture those people. I love my swimming, but it's 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 a matter of trying to fi find a way back to that, actually. Mm. Yeah, well, then yeah. They're, they're exclusive, aren't they? You can't really do both. You can't be singing along. I suppose in your head you could be doing <laughs> some tunes and things. Well, stra strangely enough, actually, when I swam the channel, a friend of mine, um, Kit Wise, who's, a, who's, a, who's an artist, put together a CD of music songs to do with the water. Oh, okay. So one, yeah. one was um, uh, Loudon Wainwright. Yes. Um, and it was uh, this summer I went swimming, this summer I might have drowned. But I, what was it? I held my breath and I kicked my arms and I swung my arms around or whatever. Oh, wow. So Loudon Wainwright. Another one was a John Mayer song. Yeah. And I had it on my brain, I reckon, for five hours, the John Mayer one. It yeah. was about, it was called the Walt Grace's 1967 submarine test or something. And it was about a man building his own submarine and going from America to Tokyo. And strangely enough, that was such a song of adventure yeah. and, and stepping into the unknown. As I said, I reckon out of the nine and a half hours I swam, that was on my mind for about four hours, I reckon. Oh, wow. It's funny, there are sometimes links between sport and um, sport and the arts. Yeah. It's nice finding that. In That's fact, right. I find swimming of all sports, probably I find a few more artistic types. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. There's a certain, I don't know, there's a certain sensibility, I think, that comes with the water and the adventure. and Yes. The, and the fluidity and all those sort of things. I've got yeah. quite a few friends who are into music um, or the arts and, and they swim. There's a yeah. creativity yeah, I think that I comes, think particularly right. the open water. Yeah. 
you've got the colours and you've got the different elements and different weather. And, and nature, kind of being nature. connected with nature. To basics of swimming. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the beautiful things about it, the purity. Hmm. Particularly the open water and just the, you know, your budgie smugglers and your goggles and that's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, well, I think we'll um, wrap it up here, but it's been Sounds really good. great chatting with you, Grant, and you thanks too, for Jane. making the time to come down here today. And, um, yeah, we'll look out for you in the middle of the bay somewhere. Yeah, great. Look forward to having a, uh, having a coffee after a swim at some stage. Great. Okay, awesome. thanks, Grant. Thanks, Bye. Jane. listening. Don't forget more background info and previous episodes are available on my website. Go to www.thedeependpodcast.com.au